what's up world i had a really nice conversation with my friend shahar roto over facetime i met shahar during my time at ucsb we both worked on as program board together and she was responsible for coordinating some of the biggest concerts and events on campus after college she worked at caa for over two years and in the past year or so she's developed her skills as a graphic designer which she's gotten to be really good at She's someone that I've just always enjoyed hanging out with and I've always appreciated her opinions on music and the music industry. And so I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shahar Rota. Oh yeah, I can hear you now. What's up? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Wait, where are you right now? You're in Walnut Creek? I'm in Walnut Creek in my room. Uh, did you move back home? Yeah, I moved back home. Was it like three months ago now? Yeah. Which is strange, but... How's that been? It's good. I mean, I can't complain. Like, my mom cooks me food and, like, does my laundry, so, you know. Yeah. But it's weird because I found myself, like not like retracting back to my high school self at all but it's like I'll find myself listening more to the music I was listening to when I lived at home so like Mm -hmm. a lot of Arctic Monkeys and like 1975 and like everything I was listening to as a senior in high school living at home with my teen angst that's so funny because I'm back home too and it's like there's parts of it that are good you know like you said your mom cooking for you and stuff and it's like you should feel grateful for those things but there's still part of me that's like this is not what I had pictured you know yeah for me too it's like well when I graduated I started my job two weeks after graduation so I didn't really spend that much time at home after mm-hmm. I graduated and so even in college I didn't have to tell anyone where I was going like if I left the house like I left the house yeah and now it's like when I was like where are you going why are you going there? <laughs> Yesterday I went on a hike and she was like, it's really cold. Why are you going on a hike? And I was like, because yeah. I want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even just those little things, like even if you're still able to do whatever, it's just the fact of having to run that through other people or just, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so much freedom in just being able to do whatever you think of and not having to have someone who can talk you out of that or just, maneuvering around other people yeah I remember when I went to college that was one of the things that I was super happy about was just like dang I'm going to go eat somewhere or go do something and like nobody knows but me like right it was an interesting thing to happen yeah or for me too if I was upset or something I could just go on a walk or just deal with it myself Mm. whereas like at home if I am angry and I like leave the house and it's like, why are you leaving the house? Yeah. yeah, No, it's like, Uh it's just little things that you notice now that you're back home. Yeah. It's hard living with people. I mean, especially when you get used to living on your own, it's a weird thing. Cohabitating with other people. I don't know. Sometimes it trips me out. Yeah. I had a conversation with a few people actually over the past few weeks. I have a lot of friends that are looking to move as their lease ends and with COVID a lot of them are considering the idea of living alone Mm -hmm. but then it raises the interesting point of should you live with roommates while it's quote-unquote socially acceptable to live with roommates as opposed to just starting to live on your own now like completely by yourself like should you do it to get that experience yeah like it's arguably socially acceptable in your 20s to live with two or three roommates yeah as opposed to in your 40s uh-huh where in your 40s if you're not like married or looking to get married you're just gonna live by yourself why is that though do you think it do you think one should be reversed or, or do you think there's something different about being 40 like why why can't two 40 year olds just live together i think that they can i think a lot of a lot of people our age live together not really by choice but because we can't afford to mm. live alone so that's part of it. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people are sometimes scared to live with their friends because being friends with someone and living with them can be a completely 
different experience. Yeah, it can be really hard to to live with people and but I don't know, I think that makes you grow as a person in a way. Like if you're someone who can't live with other people, then you probably have to, you know, there's certain roommates I guess where it's where maybe it's there being the the hard to deal with one, but if you're someone who just can't live with anyone, it's like Oh yeah, no. I think you have to try it at some point in your life. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like you're saying you learn a lot about yourself in the process too. What you like and don't like in a roommate and how you behave around other people. Uh-huh. I think as people get older, you just kind of get maybe more stuck in your ways sometimes and like I don't know, some people become less easygoing and just more ingrained in their beliefs and what they think and and it's harder for them to compromise, I guess. Yeah. Like, I think it's easier for younger people to compromise when you have so much less control of your life, you know? Like, you might be doing a job that you don't want to or, you know, living situations you don't want. But then as you get older and maybe your career becomes more refined and you're, like, you're getting to make more choices for yourself and then living with someone is, like, hard to deal with in that way. Yeah, I think that's part of it for sure. I think back to my sophomore year of college, which was like the first time I was living alone outside of the dorms. Hmm. And it was just like an insane amount of freedom. And like, sometimes you just don't even know what to do with it and how to like create your own space. Yeah. Because I don't know, I never had that. Yeah. There's also something really cool about living with other people and that it like creates opportunity for things that you wouldn't otherwise be doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, during this time right now, there's not a lot of opportunity to be doing things socially, but like, I just remember growing up, you know, with my brothers and there's always things going on because they have their friends around and, you know, living with people in college, it's like, oh, I'm going to this, you want to come? And there's just things that happen because you're around people. Yeah, I think it is important, especially if you're moving to a city where you don't know anyone Mm. it's way easier to kind of figure out what there is to do through the people you live with than just on your own it's obviously doable on your own you can you know show up wherever but it's harder when you don't have someone that like brings you in sometimes Mm -hmm. but maybe in a sense that's a good skill to learn too to be able to I don't know get out of your comfort zone and can maybe get you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Like uh, I was just talking to one of my friends who I met when I was living in Reno. And um, it was like in the first couple weeks of living there, Grayson and I, we went to, in Reno, they have the like national bowling stadium or whatever. I don't know what it is. There's like mm-hmm. this room with like a hundred bowling lanes in a row or whatever that wow. professionals play on or something. And they were, do- like, they were doing like a grand reopening where uh, it was open to the public. And so Grayson and I were like, oh, yeah, we'll go check that out. We'll go bowl there. They had free food and stuff. And um, we met this guy, my friend Jack, who he just, like, came out to us and he was like, oh, I don't have anyone to bowl with. Can I bowl with you guys? And we're like, yeah, (laughs) sure. And then we became really good friends through that, which is kind of crazy looking back. That's so cool. But just because he was, like, in the same situation where he had just moved to Reno uh, after graduating – and he didn't know anybody at all. Where Grace and I didn't know anyone either, but at least we were living with each other and we could go do stuff together and like discover the city. But um, yeah, if it wasn't for him, like I don't know if any, there's a lot of people that would do that. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I would have done that. It's a certain level of confidence. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have done that. I don't know. I'm definitely someone who's introverted until a certain point. I guess until you know me well enough. But in public situations, when I don't know a lot of people, I'm definitely introverted. Yeah, me too. get overwhelmed by a lot of people. I'm a listener, I guess. I kind of read the room until I can figure out where my footing is. Yeah, I think I I try to do that too. Maybe I don't always do the best job of that. I don't know. What is that? Respect for other people? Not wanting to offend anybody? Wanting to make a good impression? Yeah, I think it's just like being cautious or overly cautious, I guess, Mm. with your words and your thoughts and how people perceive you. Yeah. Oh, what I also wanted to say about living 
on your own versus living with other people. So I was talking about earlier how I said that there's a lot of opportunity with living with other people and like, Mm -hmm. you know, things that come up that you probably wouldn't have done. But um, sometimes not doing that can make you maybe do things that maybe you should be doing or, or focus more on yourself. So like, I find that if I'm living on my own, I can work much more on my like personal creative endeavors Mm -hmm. than when I have a lot of people around me and there's a lot more distractions and it's harder to just separate myself from that. And, you know, if my family's all hanging out and, you know, playing games or something, or they want to watch something to get like, it's harder for me to remove myself from that and be like, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, work on music or graphic design or whatever. Yeah, I think I'm the same way too, because if I think about when I was living in LA, aside from having a full-time job, I didn't find myself wanting to sit down in my apartment and work on my like graphic design or like build my website. I was always, I felt like I had to be out and about doing things. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was a city Mm. and there's always something to do in LA. But now that I've been home, quarantine aside, because I found this last winter break too, I found myself wanting to sit down and work on my own projects more at home. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't have friends here and like my family's always hanging out, but I don't know, maybe it's just the environment. Mm. And so has that shown to be successful? Like, have you, have you been able to, to work on a lot of stuff? you've wanted to yeah I feel like this year obviously in the grand scheme of things sucked Mm -hmm. for many reasons but I think that it gave me and a lot of people time to just kind of sit with ourselves and do things that we've been putting off for so long so for me a lot of that was with graphic design and figuring out what interests me in that field and like how to use all the different tools and I force myself to sit down for a hundred days straight and make design every day, which is not something I would have ever predicted myself doing if it wasn't for all this time that I had on my hands. That's awesome. Thank you. When did you start, I don't know, experimenting with graphic design? Was that this year? It started, I want to say like a year ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was around this time. And I wanted to make a year-end list for my favorite albums of the year and the decade. But I didn't just want to post a notes app screenshot. And so I didn't have Photoshop at the time or any of the Creative Cloud apps. Um, And I remember in college, Justin always told me to just do it on pages because it has all the tools that you need to build like a very 2D graphic. People just don't use it in that way. So I played around with that, made a graphic for my year-end albums. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Posted it, then went back to work, didn't do anything with graphic design, didn't have time for it. Then the pandemic hit and I was back home and I was like, okay, I have Creative Cloud now. Might as well give this a try. Um, And so it started with me making the playlists and playlist covers for people who asked. And a lot of that I did on Illustrator. And then I transitioned over to Photoshop. And then after that, I just found myself really enjoying it. So I made an Instagram and I told myself, okay, I'm going to post every day for 100 days and let's see what happens. And I did it. It was really hard. Some days I wouldn't make my design until 11.30 p.m. And it was really stressful. Mm. Other days I would wake up and just make it first thing in the morning because I had an idea in my head. But it was cool. It's really cool seeing how I've grown over the 100 days. I don't think that I've landed on a style per se. But I'm not going to find a style unless I keep making things. No, it's been really cool for me to see the progression that you've had in designing and, and yeah, experimentation with all the different styles. And I don't know that you ever need to have 
you know, a certain specific style. Sometimes I look at artists who, you know, and maybe I shouldn't judge people, but, and I don't, anyone can do what they want, but sometimes it's like, I don't understand how certain artists can make the same type of thing over and over and don't get bored with it. And that's all, all different types of art. Yeah. I think it's tricky because I think that a lot of the graphic designers that I look up to do have a style. Mm. And so it makes me feel like I need to hone in on something. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's artists that have styles and now regret honing in on something. Mm. Um, Like there's one artist that I really like. He does a lot of uh, graphic design for music specifically. Um, his name is Braulio Amato. I think I'm pronouncing it right. But I was reading an interview that he did, and he was talking about how he made it a priority to create a style of type that was essentially just his handwriting, but it was very, very, very specific. And he found that every time people were asking him to make graphics, they wanted that specific type and that specific style Mm. and he as an artist was getting frustrated with it and just like over it because he'd been using it so much Mm -hmm. but then again it was his claim to fame yeah so he's kind of stuck with it in a way yeah but because it's so specific it's also easier for him to notice when people are ripping him off yeah i guess style is also subjective term too in the sense of like there can be styles that are very specific and apparent and then there's ones that are a little more loose and you can look at two different designs and be like oh yeah i kind of see how the same person did that and then there's ones where you're like oh yeah obviously this is the same designer yeah but what's your take on like originality i guess like do you think that there's any piece of art that's actually original or design i guess no i don't think so me neither i mean just yeah, the I mean, just alone by it being a design, is you weren't the first person to do that. So, I, I think it's how specific you look into it. But yeah, everything's inspired by some someone else, and you can connect to something else. It, it just depends on on how you look at it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of thinking in my head like comparing it to music and like artists and producers. Mm-hmm. You know, you have like plenty of producers nowadays who work in multiple different genres with different artists and um a lot of times you can see like a through line you know but uh yeah you don't want to make it so clear that everyone is like oh this is the same thing over and over and gets bored right and i think it's better to to take risks and you kind of have to in a sense because nothing doing the same thing over and over it it can't last forever things go out of style i think your style needs to evolve And it's easy to look at somebody for, you know, a year or two or even five years or 10 years and be like, oh, they were, it all looks, but can that last for 20, 30? I don't, I don't think it can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you have to take risks. Yeah. I think there's something really healthy too, though, about creating outside of a network. I think about artists that will go into the middle of nowhere to create, whether that's design and art or music or whatever it might be I think that's separating yourself from trying to figure out what the current trends are can sometimes work more in your favor because you're going to create based off of things that stick in your mind and those things are arguably timeless if they've stuck in your mind past a certain amount of time so I think there's like benefit to that I think everything goes out of style but at the same time everything comes back into style at a certain point. Oh yeah, for sure. I just admire people trying new things and doing new things. And it's, it's always been more interesting for me to see something or hear something that I feel like I haven't experienced before, even if it's not completely polished or perfected, or even if I don't even like it that much, then see something that's, you know, completely perfected. But I'm like, yeah, I've seen this before, or this person did this before. Or this album was like the last album. Like, yeah, I'd much rather hear one that I'm like, yeah, it's not as good as the last album, in my opinion, but they tried something different. Yeah, along those lines, that's why something I started in 
doing in quarantine in April is I listen to a new album every day that I've never heard. And oftentimes you're drawn to albums that are in some way related to artists that you already listen to because, you know, you'll just go to Spotify and click on related artists. Yeah. And find someone new. But sometimes I really try to just pick something completely random and I might hate it and I might sit there for 40 minutes or however long the album is and just not enjoy it. But I think that you get something out of the fact that it's just something you've never heard. Yeah, for sure. It gives you it gives you perspective, I think. And it influences you subconsciously, mm-hmm. whether you choose to take it in or not. I try to be as present as possible when I'm doing it, but oftentimes I'll just put it on while I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. So there's times where I'll listen to an entire album and then forget what I listened to and have to listen again. I mean, do you ever find that you listen to albums the first time and you're like, you don't really like it, but then maybe after revisiting a year or two or 10 years down the road or something, you like, you listen to it differently and you can actually like it more and vice versa. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think of there's albums that come to mind. I was just talking to my uh, friends. This is just one that comes to mind because the uh, Kid Cudi just released his new album. Mm-hmm. And uh, after like the first two Man on the Moons, he kind of started experimenting more and making albums just different things and i remember you know being young probably 14 years old or whatever and being frustrated and like why can't he just stick with what was working and make stuff more similar to that and that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier you know so much of that leads into like expectations when you when you're listening to an album too based on what you've heard in the past and so like i remember one of his albums speeding bullet to heaven i really hated I thought that was like his worst album when it came out Mm -hmm. and then revisiting that like maybe two years ago or something. I love it. I mean, I don't love everything about it, but there's certain songs where I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I just dismissed this whole thing, but there's some, some good stuff in here. And I think that comes with maturity too. And just, yeah, I can't think of an album, but that happened to me with 500 days of summer. I remember going to the movie theater, watching the movie. And I remember leaving the movie theater I was so angry. I was just, I hated it. I was like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. And now it's my favorite movie. Yeah. So I don't know. It took time, I guess. Yeah. And I think when you're younger, you kind of, uh, you want things that are maybe safer. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to explain. But like, when you're younger, you haven't seen, you haven't seen everything that's been done a million times, you know? Right. So, you know, seeing like a traditional like love story movie is what you want when you're a little kid because mm-hmm. that's like ideal and you haven't seen a million movies like that. But then as you get older, you want something that has a, a different spin or something that's going to get your interest that's not super played out and corny. Or something just more relatable because you realize that. Yeah, relatable too. Life isn't all, you know, glitz and glam all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that ties into what I was thinking about with like music is like you, you don't have a huge perspective on music and, and you're young and you just want what you just heard to, you know, just like with movies too. little kids watch the same movies over and over again and they don't get bored with it. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like with music, the way that I grew up with music was a lot of it was through radio. And so naturally on the radio they replay songs over and over. And this is like pre-Spotify days. Yeah. So unless you had the CD, you were just relying on your favorite radio station to keep playing the same songs right. that you like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that, yeah, that just, that shapes the way that you listen to music too. And now you've got young kids and their, their music, their ears being shaped by TikTok, I guess. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, though, going back to like, kids watching movies over and over and listening to the same music over and over so that now as I'm older if I listen to an album and I really really like it I'll put it away and not listen to it as to like not wear it out mm. so interesting it's not to say that the music I listen to 
on repeat is not music that I like, but my favorite albums, I'll dedicate like a certain time of the year for. Mm. For example, In Color by Jamie XX, I only listened to it on my birthday <laughs> and on June 1st, which is when it came out. That's it. That's awesome. And I don't put the songs on any of my playlists. Wow. I listen to it top to bottom. That's it. That's discipline. Yeah. It's nice to be in control of that with certain albums. Because, you know, you get, especially when new music comes out, things can get just overplayed, Mm -hmm. you know, at a party or with friends and stuff. And you're kind of like, it's interesting how that shapes how you think about music, too, based on how much other people are listening to it and how much it's being shoved in your face and it can just yeah but there are certain songs that i've heard them so many times with friends but now they just remind me of certain points in my life and so i will go back and listen to them i think about this with like vince staples for example i feel like we listen to vince staples a lot throughout college big fish theory a lot yeah right And so I'll put on Big Fish Theory, but that's not an artist or an album that I find myself reserving. Uh It's strange. I don't know how I choose the albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To and not to listen to, but. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way too. It's like certain things that maybe I don't even like, but I like it still for, because of what it reminds me of or the time or. Yeah. And I guess that, that makes me like it. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I end up associating music with a time and place. Mm. And it's not always conscious in the moment, but it's been like that. For example, for the longest time, I would only listen to Vampire Weekend in the winter. Even though their music is very upbeat and summery, for some reason I just associated it with winter. And it wasn't until this last album that felt more summery to me probably because it also came out in may uh, that i started listening to the music year-round interesting was that a conscious effort originally the winter thing yeah kind of yeah it was the first rain of the year i'd, I'd put on vampire weekend it's very uh, like cliche of me but i don't know it just it reminded me of colder weather mm. i'm sure part of it had to do with the song horchata and how it talks about December, but Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting for me to hear about your rules that you have for artists and what you listen to. I have so many strange rules. I don't know. It's And I'm someone that cares a lot about my Spotify year-wrapped. Yeah. But with all these rules I've built for myself, it's not a true representation of like, the music that I hold to the highest standard. Mm. I mean, my number one song this year was Steal My Girl by One Direction. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. But that kind of goes back to my point of listening to music that I was listening to in high school while being home. Yeah. I'm wondering what would happen if you maybe took a year to just break all the rules and just said, I'm just going to listen to whatever I feel in the moment, no matter what. If I feel like listening to Jamie XX in colors the whole year long then I'll do it maybe I mean I think the the thing that's hard about my listening to is even though I listen to a new album every day I don't always revisit that album and so my data is kind of skewed in that way because I listen to a lot of different music but there's a smaller number of artists that I listen to repeatedly so the data is skewed when I listen to an artist slightly more times, mm. even though it's not that much more. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I'll break the rules in 2021. Who knows? Man, I care about my Spotify rap too. I wish I, I shouldn't. Why, why, why do we care about that? Who cares? Who cares um, what we listen to? Like, like I'm, I'm somewhat embarrassed by my, because uh, I remember we would talk about I remember, mm-hmm. when, when was the first year they did it? 2014, was it? 15, 16? I think, I think it was 15 or 16. It's funny, I saw I saw a tweet about this, about how the girl who came up with Spotify Wrapped was actually a Spotify intern, and they never 
really gave her credit for it or paid her or damn yeah that's messed up because it's one of the coolest things it's so cool it's so simple but it's so cool what was i saying spotify wrapped oh yeah like the the amount of minutes that you've listened to music you know it's like dang mine's not that mine's not high enough i wish mine (laughs) was a million minutes well i'm also i am thankful in a way that i don't use spotify 24 7 because i know people that use it to fall asleep for example they won't necessarily listen to music but they'll listen to like white noise and then their spotify wrapped is like your most listened to artist was white noise (laughs) that's hilarious i haven't seen that that's so funny so kind of i wish there was a way for them and maybe they'll get to this point next year in the years to come to differentiate data in that sense or to be able to understand what music you're using to listen to music to listen to socially yeah and for the enjoyment of music and what what you're listening to to concentrate or fall asleep or do other activities yeah you're so right about that because i've just been thinking about recently of like how it's annoying for me to go back and forth between music and podcasts Mm -hmm. like that's why that's why i end up using the um Apple podcast to listen to podcasts and I use Spotify for music because they're separated where I can just go into the Apple podcast app and then resume playing mm-hmm. and I can pause and go to Spotify and but if I listen to music on Spotify and I listen to a podcast it like it forgets yeah I end up using Spotify for both although I should I should separate them my thing is I end up listening to podcasts on Spotify because my Nike Run Club app is connected to my Spotify and I listen to podcasts when I run. So I guess it just works out in that way. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I have found a lot of times where or I'll have my page open to an artist that I want to listen to later mm-hmm. and then I'll forget about it and go to the podcast and it's nowhere to be found. Yeah. Because I think most podcasts are on both, right? I can't really think of one that's just on Apple or just on Spotify. Well, I know like Joe Rogan recently just signed a deal with Spotify, so he's exclusive on there. Oh, right, right, right. I know Amy Schumer has a podcast that I think is, or it comes out weekly on Spotify and then they post the old ones like at the end of the season on Apple Music. Mm. And then I think there's one other one that I knew that was exclusive to spotify i think michelle obama's might be yeah right i think that's right and i want to say that the the prince's new one is going to be spotify only yeah but i'm not really sure i don't know what are your favorite podcasts my own well obviously but (laughs) to get inspiration i'm just kidding uh I like this this uh, comedian Rick Glassman's podcast a lot. It's called Take Your Shoes Off. I think he does a, a really good job in terms of in terms of comedy podcasts. Um, and it's much more of like a visual podcast too. It's on YouTube, mm. and they have a, a there's a lot of production that goes into it and like mm-hmm. animations and things like that. What else do I like? I like um, Broken Record a lot. Me too. I think that one's my favorite. Yeah. Aside from this one, obviously. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's a great one. I th- I think there needs to be more podcasts with musicians on it. I don't know why. What do you think about Song Exploder? Um, I love Song Exploder. Moving to Netflix. Well, not moving, but adding with like a visual component. I think that's a great idea. I haven't got around to watching any of them yet, but I want to. I want to see. Have you watched them? Um, I watched the Alicia Keys one, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool, but I need to watch the rest. It's really well produced. You can tell a lot of money went into that. Yeah, I saw that it was on Netflix. I need to, I need to watch them. Sometimes I think a flaw in myself is that I'll watch things that, like with podcasts, I'll kind of look around, look for the guests that I know. Me too. To be on or that I'm a fan of, you know? Me too. And I think just looking quickly at the song exploder netflix i was like i'm not a huge fan of any of these artists i'll check it out later yeah that's why i only watched one episode because the rest that were released at the time i just didn't care enough to sit through a 30 minute 
episode for. And also, you have to keep in mind that they do this on the podcast as well, but because they're talking about one song, they'll play the song like a lot. Mm. So if you don't necessarily like the artist or the song, you're not going (laughs) to want to listen to that song played over and over. Yeah. The cool thing about the Netflix version is that they do a live performance of the song at the end as opposed to just playing the recording. That's cool. But I think the newer releases have Dua Lipa in it, which I wonder how different it'll be from her podcast episode because she also did a podcast episode. Yeah. Is it the same song or she did a different song? I don't know. I hope it's a different song, but it could be the same song, just more information. Hmm. But, oh yeah, as for podcasts, a lot of times I'll just, people that I'm a fan of, I will just listen to whatever podcast they're on. So that that gets me to listen to a lot of new podcasts that I wouldn't normally listen to. Like, I was just listening to yesterday this podcast by Nori, this rapper Nori, Mm -hmm. and Pharrell was on it. So I was listening to that. So yeah, that's cool. And then Pharrell was just on Rick Rubin's podcast, uh, Broken Record, the other day. Yeah, I need to listen to that episode. They just dropped a lot of good episodes in a row. Yeah, that was a good one because they talked a lot about different artists and music that they like. And there's like a playlist that goes along with it. Oh, that's cool. Like of the songs that they mentioned. I listened to the James Blake one. Just the oh, other I didn't day. listen to that one. How, how was it? That one was really cool. Mm. Just learning like how he started making music mm. because he was a loner. Essentially, is his whole story. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting because he he chose to permanently move to the states. Oh, he did. Yeah, he talked a lot about how he doesn't know if he would ever move back to England. I don't know. It's just pretty interesting. Yeah, I'll for sure check that one out. Kid Cudi talked a lot uh, for a while about starting his own podcast. Mm-hmm. It was it was supposed to happen already, but I was really excited for him to do that because I was like, I feel like there's still a market for artists to make their own podcasts. Like, I feel like someone could really capitalize on that. Yeah, especially this year. Yeah, because there's not much else to do. Maddie Healy kind of did it. But it was in partnership with some organization and he ha- he put out, I think it was seven or eight episodes and he just interviewed a bunch of different artists. But it was pretty cool. He interviewed like Brian Eno and Stevie Nicks and like some pretty big names. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you're someone who, I mean, okay, so we were talking about you doing a design every day for 100 days, mm-hmm. you listening to a new album every day. I was thinking about last time when we were talking, you uh, talked about training for a marathon and how you had to run like every day and get into that rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so I was just thinking about like structure. Like, do you feel like you're someone who needs to make that kind of structure for you to stay productive? Yeah. I think I'm someone that just needs structure. Arguably maybe I'm too hard on myself. You know, you could look at all these rules or challenges I've set for myself and say, okay, this girl's going crazy. Like, she's doing way too much. Mm. (laughs) But I don't know. I think I just need it. I need a sense of purpose, I guess. Mm. And as long as it feels purposeful to me, then that's all that matters. And so that's why a lot of these things that I do are just so personal with the exception of posting on social media every day because you know you do go on and check how many likes you have and see if you know your design went viral or something Mm -hmm. but everything else I don't post anywhere that I listen to a new album the only way people would be able to pick up on it is if I told them or they were stalking my Spotify feed Mm. and same thing with running It's just on the app. Sometimes I'll post my runs on social media because I'm proud of it or something. But most of it is just for myself. I like feeling a sense of accomplishment. And I think especially going into this year and kind of with the pandemic, 
I wanted to be able to come out of it with personal accomplishments, I guess, for myself mm. to not feel like I sat around and did nothing. And it's never to make myself feel better than other people. It's nothing like that. It's just for myself. I'm someone that just can't sit still. So I always have to be doing something. Mm. Like I leave my house once a day because otherwise I'll go stir crazy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you feel like you uh, think about any of this in regards to like your career or like your future? Like, do you think about, you know, how that is? Like, I'm wondering over the past year or so if that's changed. Um, I think so. I think that in my time working at UCSB, I felt very productive because for the positions I was holding on program board, I had pretty concrete events to put on and pretty concrete goals to work towards. And then when I got to CAA, I felt pretty unproductive because at an assistant level, there's so much you can do. You know, you schedule for your boss and you get them coffee and you put the tour dates into the system and you collect money and Sure, that in and of itself is very productive, but for my own personal growth and my own personal achievements, it felt kind of repetitive and I just felt pretty unfulfilled. Um, And so getting furloughed was very much a blessing in disguise. So I think that all of this graphic design stuff and everything I've been doing and, you know, listening to new album every day and it's little things that I do to make myself feel that I'm being productive in music or in the fields that interest me. I think that with doing graphic design and having all my designs be music centered, I'm naturally shifting in that direction career wise. I've been thinking a lot about going back to school for design, even though that's a big you know, topic of debate, whether or not you need to go to school for art or design-related fields. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've deviated from the question. I don't even remember what it was, but. No, I think you're you're on track. I was just kind of, it was a pretty vague question. I was just asking about what you think about the future in your career and and how much you think about that. And um, when you were working at CAA, while working there, were you like, this is what I'm, this is where I'm going to be? I'm going to, no. yeah, yeah. You always <laughs> have the feeling that you're going to try to shift gears at some point. And-, and I think that's part of what made my experience there so difficult. I went in fully announcing to the company, I don't want to be an agent. And that didn't sit well with a lot of people. Yeah. But I'm also someone that in career settings, yeah, I guess in professional settings, I'm honest to a fault sometimes. Mm-hmm. The reason why I didn't get a lot of desks is because I just didn't want to be an agent. And a lot of agents were selfish in that they wanted to mentor or bring someone up that wanted to stay in the company. Mm-hmm. Because it's also, it's an ego thing for them to be able to say, my assistant is now an agent, you know, five years down the line. Mm-hmm. It says a lot about them as much as it says about you. So for a lot of them... And when you say desks, you're talking about... That just means being an agent's assistant. Gotcha. So it just worked out in that way that a lot of people didn't want to hire someone who didn't want to be an agent. And then later down the line, once I'd been at the company for about a little over a year, a lot of people weren't getting promoted and there was kind of this feeling of frustration amongst a lot of the assistants that had been there for three, four years. And one of our department heads essentially said, not all of you in this room are getting promoted. So it's fine if you just want to be here for a year or two and then dip. And that changed a lot of the agent's sentiments towards kind of what it should mean to be an assistant and that at the age of 22, 23 you don't have to know what you want to do in this industry. So yeah, I don't know. 
for the longest time, I wanted to go back to live music because that was all I knew Mm. because that's what I did on program board. And I wanted to go back to the promoter side or work at a venue, but then obviously the pandemic hit and I had to think a lot about whether or not I wanted to stay in this industry. And if I wanted to stay in this industry, how was I going to do it in a way that could make me relevant even when the live side of the music industry is completely shut down. Um, And I'd always been interested in the visual side of music. Album artwork has always intrigued me. Like in college, we used to sit around and just put Spotify on Chromecast and it shows like the album covers. And we'd sit there and analyze the album artwork. Like I enjoyed doing that. That's cool. So (laughs) um, it was kind of a natural gravitation towards it and now I'm kind of in the space where I enjoy doing it I enjoy thinking about the visual side of music and the creative direction behind it and ideally I would like to work at a label or maybe even through management to create visuals and aesthetics for artists that's very niche obviously given the bigger world of design but yeah. I don't know. I'm not done with the music side of things. Well, I can just say, you know, from my perspective, it's it's super inspiring to see someone like you, you know, picking up this relatively new thing and like trying to and getting better at something like graphic design, you know, that you didn't have a ton of experience, you know, before a year ago. And um, there's not always a lot of people who are trying to, learn new things at a certain point yeah and so it's it's just inspiring for me to see and and think about you know picking up new skills and what what i could be doing because sometimes i feel super intimidated about like you know if i want to try something new go for something and sometimes i think is it too late to try to but but it's not it's you can learn so much i mean just in a year it's like your graphic design pro it's it's crazy (laughs) Thank you. I think you're the same too. Like you do so much and it's inspiring too, because also you have to think about for me, a lot of the reason why I got into graphic design is because of all the people around me that were and are doing it. Like you and Sophia and Tarush and Justin, Ryan. There's so many people around me that were doing it. And I think in college, maybe that intimidated me in a sense Mm -hmm. because I was like oh my god you know all my friends are so good at this I'm so far behind like who am I to start getting into graphic design now Mm. but I don't know everything is everything's in your head you know yeah anything is possible it's crazy why do you think uh I mean we both have a lot of friends who work in the music industry who have worked in the music industry why do you think um, so many people have hard times with it in that industry? Do you think it's specific jobs? Do you think it's entertainment in general? Maybe it's agencies. Maybe it's... I think that the industry itself, the entertainment industry itself, is quite toxic and flawed in a lot of senses. I think that the workload that a lot of us endured in college working at Program Board was very helpful and did prepare us in a sense to the workload that exists in the music industry. However, the music industry and the entertainment industry is also built on nepotism and a lot of, I don't know how else to say this, but I guess it's just like a lot of kissing up to people and doing favors for people. And it's a lot about who do you know, and not necessarily how good you are at your job. And I think that's something that was hard for me to realize and come to terms with. And also, people are just mean. People don't give you the time of day. And at least with my experience at an agency, so long as your email is so-and-so assist, you're meaningless Mm. to the company. 
and it sounds pretty harsh, but you know, it's even little things where there's agents that I worked with for two years and they didn't take five minutes out of their day to like remember my name. Hmm. So I don't know if that's just LA. I don't know if that's the music industry because obviously my experience is not as wide, but it's tough. I think the hard thing too is working on campus. We were kind of, depending on who you ask, we were kind of, you know, the cool kids in a way. We were putting on these cool shows. We were doing pretty important things. And then you get to a bigger company or corporate company where you're surrounded by you know, a thousand other people and you're not as important, I guess. So I don't know. It's tough. And I think also it comes down to gender too. It's tough being a female in the music industry at CAA. At least there were, I could count on my hands, the amount of female agents in music in the LA office. So it's hard hearing my department heads sit there and say, you know, we worked hard too. And like, when we were your age, like we did X, Y, and Z to get promoted. And for me as a female in the back of my head, it's also like, okay, well, you're also a guy. So that's also why you got promoted aside from whatever work you might've done, which is sad. And hopefully it changes soon, but it's still the reality. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. One of my biggest, uh, something that I just really hate is like, culture where people want you to struggle because they had to struggle when they were in your position you know yeah fraternity type stuff yeah it's what the whole entertainment industry is built on or some of this is actually quite subconscious but if an agent when they were an assistant had a really tough time with their boss like their boss was really hard on them Mm -hmm. they feel the need to take that out on their current assistant and so they kind of adopt the leadership skills that were that they experienced as an assistant so that's kind of tricky too because you could always say oh my god I would never treat an assistant like this and then five years down the line you know you're yelling across the hall to your assistant to get you coffee super weird it's interesting there's definitely agents out there that don't stoop to that level at all but at the same time there's agents I've heard some horror stories for sure has your time working in the music industry ever made you think about not doing it? I've gotten really, really frustrated with it, but I don't think I've reached the point where I want to leave the industry. Hmm. You could argue it's Stockholm Syndrome at this point because while I was working at CAA, I could have the worst day, worst work day ever, but I could also send an email to the girl that was running our guest list and say, can I have two tickets to touring Watt tonight? And I'd get on the list. Mm. So it's a question of whether that outweighs the, the negative stuff with the free tickets. But I also can't really picture myself doing anything else. As cliche as that sounds, I, my degree was so broad too. I studied communication that it's, there isn't anything else so specific I can turn to and say, okay, I want to do this instead. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess for the time being, I don't see myself doing anything else, but Mm. who knows? Yeah. Music, entertainment, music, it's crazy. It's very much if you watch Entourage, it's it's exactly that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's going on now? I don't know. Mm. I have a fun question. Okay. I guess two. Okay. One. What's the last song you listened to? You can check your Spotify. Oh, you yeah. Mean. Can I just check? Yeah. That's the point is it has to be the last one. You can't can't lie about it. Worth It by Biba Doobie. Okay, nice. I like her new album. Yeah, it was, uh, I just put it on last night because I hadn't listened to it, but I only made it to track two apparently. It's pretty good. But yeah, I like her. She's cool. Yeah. What's yours? Mine is Something More by Rosin Murphy. Rosine. I don't know how to pronounce it when there's accents over the O. But yeah, I like her album. I've been in the process of um, trying to figure out my year-end lists. 
And so I was trying to see if her album would make the cut because I really liked it, but my list is at 25 and I'm trying to cut it down to 20. So Top 20 albums? Of 2020. And then I'm doing top 10 album covers. What's an album cover you like that you don't like the album? That's kind of a negative question. Well, there's two. There's two. Um, the first one, I really like the whole album cover and just like graphic design and design elements that they use for the Ariana Grande album. Mm. Don't like the album. Probably because I had really high expectations. I don't hate it. I definitely listen to it, but mm. it's no sweetener. Um, and then also, the 1975 album is definitely in my top 20, but it's no number one. However, the guy who does their creative direction is my favorite graphic designer, so he's definitely going on that uh, album's covers list. What's his name? Samuel Burgess Johnson. Check him out. Yeah. His style's very simple to the point where you're like, damn, that's so simple. How am I not making money off of something like this? Mm. It's to the point where he literally uses Helvetica for everything. It's so, so, so simple. But it's beautiful. I don't know. But his career kind of took off with all the 1975 stuff. For their third album, he did a series of uh, like, typography posters for each song and that's what really turned me on to him i'd say i have one of his posters actually i can see how he might have inspired some of your work yeah they're they're so cool yeah so are you doing well i think so it's a weird thing because with this year i feel like people are inclined to say like uh you know like i'm getting through it blah blah But I'm very lucky because I don't know anyone that has died from COVID. I live at home and have minimal expenses. I'm learning new things. I'm keeping in touch with friends. You know, I I have it pretty good. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Are you hopeful about the future? I think so. I don't think that we're going to be seeing live music for another year, but... Other than that, I think things are looking up. It's strange because I know that in March I'm going to come up on my one year of since my last concert. And that's going to be like a very weird feeling. What was it? Tame Paula at the forum. I remember there was one agent that we were all going to the show. And this was the Wednesday of the week that everyone went on lockdown. Mm-hmm. So it was literally like a few days before. And she was like, I'm not going to go. Like, you guys are crazy. Like, blah, blah. I wonder if she regrets it now. Mm. I'm always so curious about, like, I wish I have this idea for an invention. It's COVID goggles. (laughs) And you can put them on and you can just see, like, all the COVID of where it is, you know? That'd be cool. (laughs) But it's kind of one of those things of, like, do you want to know? I saw a TikTok the other day. And this girl was like, can you believe, like, we used to go bowling and we'd all put our hands in the same three holes and then we would eat with our hands? Oh, damn. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm obviously more conscious now, but it's strange. Mm. I think it'll be interesting seeing, too, how live music comes back because I know that there's a lot of artists that are not going to want to perform until it's back to normal. Mm. But what is normal? You know, well, I mean, I think if you, if the baseline for normal is February of this year or whatever, I think it's gonna take a very long time to get back to that. Yeah, very long, a few years. And I don't even think it might ever get back to there. The interesting thing is in terms of capacities, because I think part of a concert experience as disgusting and annoying as it is in the moment is being squished up against a bunch of people experiencing the same thing mosh pit yeah what's the point of going to a concert if you can't crowd surf right exactly i've never crowd surfed (laughs) but i do want to i don't know if that's going to be uh possible now yeah i don't know if people are going to want to touch me but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know where it's like are all concerts going to be like seated Mm. Well, it won't work because a lot of venues are, they 
survive off of GA pits and they don't have that many seats. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Are you doing anything fun for the holidays? Nothing really. Guess how it, that's how it should be, huh? Laying low. Yeah, honestly. I know. I, I kept joking about like since Thanksgiving was just my parents and my brothers about like how we lucked out that we didn't need, have to like experience our relatives bad cooking like certain relatives, you know? like, it was like like I think it was like the best tasting Thanksgiving that I've had because like we were able to control everything you know I never even thought about that <laughs> that makes sense yeah because for me my whole extended family is in Israel so they, they don't even celebrate Thanksgiving but it's always just like my immediate family so uh, yeah. it's just our cooking but yeah damn yeah, because usually you have like, you're like, oh, that aunt is making the mashed potatoes. Damn, like, God like, damn, yeah. They're not, not going to be able to eat those. Or I can picture like <laughs> like parents being like, you have to eat grandma's casserole or she's going to get upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting how like, like, do you, do, you, do you like the food that your parents cook and your family makes? Yeah, but my mom, my mom really likes cooking. So she's always looking to try new recipes and stuff. So she's generally open to like trying new things, but she's tries to be very healthy and she's basically vegan. So sometimes that can limit what we make. She doesn't make us like eat vegan food, but yeah, if say we're making cookies and it calls for an egg, she's like, Oh, let, like let's use this substitute instead. Oh yeah. And like, I don't care. Cause I'm like, whatever it sounds healthier, but yeah. my brothers are like, no, we want normal cookies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of the times, if you want to make something healthier, you're going to compromise some of the taste. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to make a dessert or something. Yeah. She's always someone that like edits recipes. Oh uh, yeah. Like okay. she's like, oh, this calls for two cups of sugar. I'm just going to put half a cup. <laughs> I'm like, mom, no. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Let me follow the rules. <laughs> yeah. The worst is having, like, dessert that's, like, doesn't taste good, that you know is, like, not healthy for you, and you're, like, yeah. I'm eating something that's not good for me, and I'm not even enjoying the, the experience. Like double negative. It's like the eating a bad worst. cookie. or Yeah. That's happened to me. Sometimes with, like, the Bon Appetit cookie recipes – something will just go wrong in my process and they just don't come out as good and I'm like damn like I know this has like a stick of butter like four cups of sugar like this can't be good for me yeah you live and you learn yeah I don't know there's a lot of people from college and stuff I haven't talked to I like try to talk to everyone here and there Mm. it's just hard sometimes I don't know yeah I need to do a better job of reaching out to people Sometimes it just feels silly reaching out to like people that you know you used to talk to every day uh-huh. and being like, hey, like, what's new? I don't know. Sometimes it's just like a weird thing, but it's like such a nice gesture. Like I know for me, when someone that I haven't talked to in a while texts me, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah they're thinking about me. Yeah. Yeah. I get some in my head about that stuff. And um I don't know. Sometimes reminiscing can make me feel sad. And mm-hmm. like sometimes you talk to people that you used to be closer with. And if it doesn't feel the same, it's just kind of like, oh, dang, it's not what it was. But also, I I think part of it might be like not feeling super happy or confident in the position I am in right mm-hmm. now, you know? And yeah. Like, Cause it's like dreading the question of like after you ask someone how they're doing, they're like, what's new with you? And you're like, nothing <laughs> yeah. no yeah. updates here are, are you trying to find work or are you gonna just probably go to school are you just waiting for that time or what I think I'm gonna try to find work I mean definitely if I really lean in on the school thing I'm gonna have to find some type of job to support me financially for the time I'm there I can work in the UK yeah. with a with a student visa uh-huh but at the same time, you know, it's like you're in a new country, you want to go travel, like how much am I really going to want to work? Yeah. So ideally, you know, I'd find a job that is like full time and can help me in my career. But I'm also not opposed to working at like a coffee shop. 
I don't know. Yeah. I kind of like a job, honestly, that I can kind of not bring home with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't mind it. And I think, I don't know, a job that lets you kind of meet new people and try new things. Yeah. So we'll see. But I'm not really going to be like looking, looking until January, February. I mean, there's not much out there right now anyway. So right. what about you? I mean, yeah, I've been looking for work for a while now kind of for something that I could see myself doing, being pretty specific. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't living with my parents, I probably would have just gotten like a coffee shop job or grocery store or something at this point. But I'm planning on, I want to move out and go somewhere else. Would you go to LA or like elsewhere? Elsewhere. (laughs) I just kind of want to experience a new place. I mean, when I moved to Reno, it was like, it wasn't the best place to be in. That's probably why we're not going back, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something that I like about being in a new place and trying some something else out. Thanks again for doing it, though. Thanks for having me. Our, uh, I'm excited. I don't know if I'll listen to it because I feel like I can't listen to my own voice, but uh, maybe. Really? I don't know. I'll try. Yeah. I don't think I've ever listened to myself talking for that long. Yeah. It's worth a, worth a shot, but I'm sure I'll be like, what the fuck was I saying? <laughs> yeah that's another i mean didn't you think like like when you first started posting your graphics and stuff do you feel like you paid attention to it more than you do now yeah or like did that change at all i don't know well something interesting that happened is that because i was posting i was on my phone so much so after i posted my 100th design i put my phone on grayscale mode so that i'd look at it less Hmm. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. It's a psychological thing of you're stimulated by the colors on your phone. Yeah. So if everything is in grayscale, well, first of all, for my brain, it did not know what I was looking at. I felt like I was on drugs or something. It, like, I was like, what is this? And then afterwards, it's just like nothing is stimulating. And it becomes very frustrating because you'll see things posted and you're like, I don't even know what colors this is. <laughs> the hard thing for me was like, for some reason, it was like a week in time where I was sending a bunch of heart emojis. Don't know why. No idea what color hearts I was sending. <laughs> I was like, hope this one's not the brown one. Like, I don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> now it's back on colors because I posted my picture of me touching my toes and I wanted to make sure it looked up to my standards. Oh, yeah. That was funny. Thank you. Pretty proud of it. <laughs> Yeah. You have uh, another New Year's resolution? What was it? What did you say? A handstand or something? Just to do the splits. I don't know. if. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I could do it in a year. Yeah. I put my mind to it. I can make it happen. So maybe really I'll do the splits. Yeah.